Oh, it's good to see you all. I am convinced, I really am, you couldn't convince me otherwise. Hopefully over the next several weeks, I'll be able to convince you of the same thing, that there has never, ever in the history of the world been a better time to be alive, right? Like this is, this is the perfect time for us, for our families, for everyone to be alive, and yet at the same time, that probably sounds um, a little suspect, right? You know, well, our world's really broken. There's a lot of messiness. There, there are other times. Some of you have some fond memories of the 80s or the 70s or the 90s. You go, no, 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 that was the good time to be alive. And I'm going, no, 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 right now, right now, in the middle of all this chaos is the best time ever in the history of the world to be alive. And that's why we're in this series called Happy Strive, Happy Life. And here's kind of the idea, even though there's lots of conflict, lots of strife, lots of confusion, lots of pain, lots of sorrow, right in the middle of all this, right in the middle of all this is a really, really great time to experience all that God has for you. And I use the word happy intentionally. What we found last week is Jesus begins this really neat sermon talk called the Sermon on the Plains, where he talks about what it looks like to be blessed. But it's the same word as happy, to have a happy life. And it comes from a place you don't think it will. And so we're in the series, but it's actually kind of a sub-series of a bigger series called the Gospel of Luke. And the reason we've been working through the Gospel of Luke since June, so we're 26, 27 weeks in, is because um, it really is helpful because Luke, this guy, he was a doctor-turned-investigative journalist. Uh, this guy writes his thesis in the very beginning of Luke, and he says that I'm writing all this, I'm writing this entire book, which is a biographical manuscript, a sketch of Jesus' life, right? He says he writes all these things for one very specific reason. He says, I write these things so that you may have certainty of the things you've been taught. In other words, you may have certainty about this guy named Jesus, right? And so Luke's going to write this biography, and the whole point in the biography is first to have certainty. And as we think about it and wrestle through it and, and, and appear into my own brain, your minds, that's one thing all of us would like, right? All of us would like a little bit more certainty in a world that seems really, really uncertainty. And certainty, you go, well, how do you get certainty? Well, it's really simple. The way you have certainty is you cling and hold to truth. And so what Luke's going to do, he's going to go, I'm going to write all this stuff so that you can have certainty of the things you've been taught. So Luke, this medical doctor turned investigative journalist, was hired by a real person named Theophilus, okay? What we understand about Theophilus, what we can uh, surmise, is that Theophilus was a Roman official. He was right in the middle of government, right? And so and 2,000 years ago, this uh, government official with lots of affluence— Lots of influence started looking around and going, this is a pretty broken world. Ah, it doesn't look like Caesar's going to be able to fix all this. It doesn't look like all of our great philosophical thoughts going to be the thing that's going to solve all the things. And so Theophilus, who's a guy who's gotten used to saying Caesar is Lord, he had all of his allegiance and all of his devotion to a man and a nation, started going, can't be the man, can't be the nation, but he understands if he's going to make these decisions that go, Caesar's not Lord, Jesus is Lord, there's a lot, a lot at stake. And so he's going to hire a guy who's going to take years, if not a decade, to go sit down with all the eyewitnesses, with all the people that Jesus walked with. Sit down with Jesus' mother. Sit down with the shepherds who the angels appear to. And he's going to sit down and he's going to ask them questions. He's going to gather all the data. And he's going to go and listen to all, all the oral statements about Jesus. He's going to go into the synagogues and listen to the local preachers preach. And he's going to go and he's going to open up all the documents. That's the Old Testament. The religious documents and the secular documents. Talking about all the genealogy. He's going to put together something. And he's going to say, oh, there's something you can have certainty in. But it's not some philosophical belief. It's not some government plan. 
where you want to have certainty, it's going to be a, a man named Jesus. So Luke's argument to Theophilus, when we talk about it and we look at the scriptures, they're both timeless, timely, meaning they were written to a specific person at a specific time. They were timely. It was time for Theophilus to no longer give his allegiance to Caesar. It was time for Theophilus to no longer give his allegiance to the Roman government. It was time. And yet as timeless, meaning as, as specific as it was to Theophilus 2,000 years ago, God knew very, very clearly that 2,000 years later, in the middle of 2021, in the middle of Lincoln University, PA, we would sit here and we'd open up these scriptures, and it would be just as important, just as necessary, just as timely for us today. So happy strife, happy life. And if you're brand new with us this week, let me just remind you kind of the big idea of the series. And it's, it's pretty simple, right? It's uh, not all of us like kind of the current circumstances, and we'll call that, you know, easy words here, right? No one really likes here, right? So, and this is so intuitive, and I'm going to say it, and you go, yeah, I get that, I get that, I, yeah, that makes sense, right? We're all here in our nation, in our world, in our workplace, dealing with COVID and dealing with the economy, dealing with government issues, wondering what the inauguration looks like this week, all sorts of stuff here, and we're not really liking here, right? And we are hopeful that there is a better place to get, and here's that, we'll call that there, right? And here's the crazy thing, in order to get from here to there, you have to leave here to get there, right? And that's pretty simple, but here's kind of the bigger idea. To get where you want to go, the biggest dilemma is you actually have to leave where you want to stay. And right here, we know about. While it has some discomfort to it, we've lived our whole life here. We've lived our whole life thinking about our 401k. We've lived our whole life thinking about how much food we have in the pantry. We've lived our whole life filling our closets with clothes. We've lived our whole life telling our kids they should do the next right thing, go to school, get the job, get the house, all those things, right? We lived our whole life here. And now, certainly looks like here isn't the best place, but in order to get there, we have to leave here. And so what's really, really neat, really neat about these scriptures is Jesus is going to show up, and he's going to share this passage, this teaching, this talk with a bunch of people who might be a step or two ahead of us who have come to the conclusion that they no longer like here. Right, these are guys and gals who have left their jobs. They have, you know, they've walked away from days of wages right, with very little in the coffers. They're gonna, and they're going to show up to go, hey, maybe this is the guy, and they're going to go and listen to him. Because they've, come, they've become convinced that here is no longer a place they want to stay. And so what Jesus does is he's going to start with this really interesting thing. He's going to start and talk about there's two different categories of people and two different things that happen to people. He's going to be really reductionistic here. And he's going to say there's two different results, right? There's two different results for the people in our world, and he's actually going to start this passage. He's going to say, there's two different kind of results. There's blessings, and there's woes, right? And he's going to explain to us, and what we're going to explain is there's two different places by which these things happen, right? And so he's going to talk about this earthly kingdom, which we'll describe for the next several weeks as here. And he's going to say, what you're going to find here is just a lot of woes, a lot of pain, a lot of sorrow. And I don't have to convince you of that. Right? That's part of our life. And he's going to go, but there is another kingdom. And that's what we're going to describe as there. And in that kingdom, he's going to describe it two different ways, 90 different times in the, in the Gospels, uh, the first four books of the New Testament. It's going to be called the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. And he's going to say, there's another place that you can exist. There's another place that you can live. There's an, something else you can do. And in that kingdom, you can experience all the blessings and all the happiness. And he's actually going to say, it's so weird because it's in the middle of your pain and your sorrow and your mourning, you can actually have 
happiness. And what we kind of realized last week is all the pain and all the sorrow and all the trouble in our world isn't a place you have to stay. In fact, pain and sorrow are literally just a doorway. And they're a doorway that either lead to blessings or they're a doorway that you go, nope, nope, I can't do that. I'm going to go back to where I came from. And what Jesus is going to say is blessed are those who don't go back to where they came from. Blessed are those who don't go back to their old way of life. Blessed are those who don't go back to their old worldview. Blessed are those who walk in, see this as a place that they can enter the kingdom of God. Now, when I say that, particularly here, you got the here and the there, they certainly sound like locations. Right? I mean, even the way I've presented it, it sounds like there is this, this location, which is what us as Americans and Westerners like. We like our locations. We always think there's a place you're supposed to arrive to. Right? There's a place you are, there's a place you're going, and that is a location. And you're convinced when you get to that location, finally everything will be good. Right? When you get that job, finally it'll be good. When you get married, finally it'll be good. When you get divorced, finally it'll be good. When you have kids, finally you'll arrive at that destination and it will be good. When your kids go off to college, finally it'll be good. When your kids get married, finally it'll be good. Right? It's always this location. So a big idea today that I hope certainly helps you is this. Let me share it with you. It'll take us a while to get there. It's a, here it is. The kingdom of heaven is not a place to arrive at, right? The kingdom of heaven is not a place to arrive at, but a person to belong to. So he's saying, what I want you to understand, kingdom of heaven, kingdom of earth is not this, this is the place that you think you got to arrive to. Kingdom of heaven is not a place you arrive to, but a person you belong to. Now, if you're brand new to Christianity, you're trying to work through that, that's going to sound a little creepy. And I'd say, please, 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 give me the next 35, 40 minutes. Lean in. It's going to be worth your time. And so that's what we're going to see. He's going to go, no, no, there's a place. There's a place filled with happiness. And if you're in this pain or sorrow right now in your world, right now, you can make a choice. You can either leave here and go there, or you can go back to here, right? And the problem with going there is in order to get where you want to go, you got to leave where you want to stay. And the neat thing about pain and sorrow is no longer do you want to stay there. So Jesus is going to teach this teaching to a bunch of people who have come to the conclusion that they no longer want to stay where they want to stay. Here's how Dave Ramsey says as it deals with our finances. He says, people only change when the pain of the same gets greater than the pain of the change. In other words, people aren't going to change until they go, I, it is so painful to stay here, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to get out of here, right? When the pain's so great here, they're willing to go there. People only change when the pain of the same is greater than the pain of the change. And so here's kind of this crazy thought, okay? For those of you who are Christians, this is going to sound trite at first, but I promise we'll work through it. It'll, be, it'll make sense. For those of us who are Christians, this current scenario you're in, whatever it is, even if it's the best scenario you've ever had in your life, even if this is the best year, best experiences, you have a ton of stuff to celebrate. If you're a follower of Christ, this place that you're currently in is the worst place you will ever be in your life. This will be your worst experience. Earth, the kingdom of earth will be your worst experience. And here's what's so nuts. For those of us who aren't, what would be the worst experience to so many people? For those of us who aren't Christians, this is as good as it's ever going to get. Right? Whatever the celebration, this is. This is, this is the pinnacle of goodness. And God is good and gracious and will be good and kind. And there's common grace to be had by all of us. But this world is as good as it gets. So there's this, the same experience. And for some, this is the worst it's ever going to be. And for others, this is the best it's ever going to be. And Jesus goes, but here's the deal, here's the deal. There is this place that you can arrive at. But when you think you arrive at, you're going to be shocked because that's not some place you put your feet. But you, this place that you get to is going to be this person you belong to. And there, 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 it's really, really good. So Jesus is in the middle of this really, really great talk. 
And so as we get there and think about what's it going to take for you, me, our families, to decide to leave here and go there? Like, I actually want you to think about it. One of the things about our crazy world is we don't really pause very often, and we're going to pause at the front end of this, and we're going to pause at the back end. But I actually want you to think, what's keeping you from that? Like, actually put something to it. Like, what's keeping you from going all in? Like, going all in on there. What's keeping you from it? My guess, and I've had longer to think about it, so you can think about it more later. If you're online, you can pause this and think as long as you'd like, right? My guess is somewhere the battle between leaving here and going there has something to do with this. Fear. Now, I don't know what it's fear of. Fear of being made fun of, fear of losing your friends, fear of losing your job, fear of losing your family, fear of losing your, you know, your cupboards filled with stuff. I don't know. But somewhere in this, my guess is there is some fear for you. You know I know that? Because that's what it is for me. Some fear. You know, I like my things. I like my stuff. I like my house. I like my pool, right? I got all these things that I like, and I couldn't imagine losing those things. So some way, there's some fear for us. And so what's going to happen is we're going to work through some scriptures, and we're going to make a lot of observations. And at some point, it might feel a little overwhelming to you, okay? Because this board, I'm using a little bit smaller text. Now, it's black. Thanks for the feedback there. That's helpful to know the contrast is helpful. But there's going to be a lot of words. And the reason there's going to be a lot of words is because two reasons. One, it'll help me slow down a little bit so we can make sure we get this. And the other thing is these words— now, these are the English translation. Don't come from me. They come from the God of the universe. And so as I present this stuff and put it on this board, what I want you to see is that the God of the universe is speaking. And his words are more than just insight. They are living, and they're active, and they're powerful. And he tells us that his word is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. So every single one of these words is going to show up on the screen. Every single one of these words is going to help us hear and see from God. Because here's the thing. In order to leave here and go there— you're going to have to battle your fear. And there's two things you need to deal with your fear. You ready for them? Clarity. And courage. Clarity and courage. But here's the beautiful thing about this. The more clarity you have, the less courage you need. Right? So if you're in this part, what I imagine is you're in this doorway and you're going, do I go this way? Do I lean all the way in here? Or do I go back here? And there's this trepidation. And the only thing that's going to help with the trepidation is some clarity of going, well, here doesn't work. The only reason I'm going to change is the pain of the same is greater than the pain of the change. So the more clarity we have, the easier courage becomes. And I certainly hope this morning, today, is a time that you get some clarity and therefore some courage. And so we're going to pick up where Jesus, where we left off last week. Jesus is giving this beautiful talk where he's saying that there literally is a place to find all the joy and all the happiness and all the blessings in the whole world. There is a place filled with blessings and so he's going to tell you how they get there and it's not going to be what you think so last week we saw that it's actually the people in pain or sorrow or struggling that can be blessed in the moment right because they have already exhausted all their options he's actually going to go woe to you who have more options woe to you who find comfort in your things and your stuff and your backup plans because that will be your consolation but blessed are you who have no options because you're the ones who are going to enter into and experience the kingdom of god you have come to the conclusion that nothing else is going to fix this so he's going to talk ethereally about it. But now he's going to put some practical steps into this. He's going to actually help us identify the, the different mm, experiences, the different contexts by which we would go, 
Do I live in the kingdom of God or do I live, live in the kingdom of the earth? Do I, do I lean in fully? And so he's going to talk about some moments where we are going to think there's a certain way to live. And he's going to call it out and go, no, it's actually the exact opposite. So I'm going to be in Luke chapter 6, beginning in verse 27. And here's what he says. But I say to you who hear, that's you and I, right? If you're actually hearing this right the second, he's talking to you timeless, timely. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Now, this isn't a cute mug that you kind of hold and you drink, right? This isn't a T-shirt. He's literally saying, if you want to not live here, and you want to go there, live here, you want to not live here, but go there, the only way you do it is you're going to turn this world upside down, and you're actually going to love your enemies. Now, there's two things about this. One, it'll be better for our world. It will. But there's this term we coined back in Montana. It's a fake term, but it's um, selflessness. Selflessness, right? And it's uh, getting what you really want by giving up what you already have, right? And so there's something so crazy about this. So in some ways you go, this is how the world gets fixed because Jesus is so nuanced. But what he's really saying here is if you really want a good life, like you, and I'm guessing you do, all of us, you really, really want a good life, the only way you're going to get it is actually to do this. So he's going, you want to be blessed. You want to not live in the place of woes. You want to belong to a person in the place of blessings. There is only one way to do it. And he says this, love your enemies. Now, um, we're going we're gonna to circle back to this. He's going to use this word here called agape. But he's going to, and we'll talk about it in a little while, but he's going to talk about love, 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 is the way you experience the kingdom of God. You want to go there? Simple. You love. Who do you love? Everyone. But who do you really love? The ones that you don't typically think you would love. So love your enemies. And then he's going to say, yep, yep, people you're going to love, your enemies. I mean, he's clearly describing the people that he's telling you to love and want to be clear that you understand enemies in, in this context are people who want to harm you. Not just someone who has a different ideology than you. These are people that actually want to harm you. Like people that want you to have pain. People that want your kids to have pain. You know what I'm talking about? The people that you just want to crush. Right? Like, I try to be godly, want to be godly, and for the most part I can't, but you mess with my wife or kids. That's really, really hard for me. And what Jesus is saying is, those are the people you love. Those are people you love. Not so you can earn something from them, but this is actually how you find real blessing. You want to stay away from the woes, live into the happiness. It's in the middle of the stripe you, stripe you love those who want to do harm for you. And it doesn't say just love them. Watch what it says next. Do good to those who hate you. So he's basically going to say, you know those people that are on the other side of the camp? Your job is to love Again, we're going to circle back. I'll help you understand what that word means. And he's going to go, and do good. Do good to those who harm you, who hate you. Right? And so what he's doing is going, hey, in the kingdom of earth, you know what you do to these people? You punish them. You whisper about them. You build a team around them that hears your narrative and feels the same way about them as you feel about them. You either say the bold, blunt things on Facebook or you say the passive-aggressive things because you want them to be inflicted and feel some kind of pain or sorrow. In the kingdom of heaven, and the kingdom of earth, that just makes sense. It's good. But in this kingdom, not here, but there, you can't do that. You don't do that. Define blessing. You actually love them. And you do good to them. Now, by the way, if we could get this right, like if you and I could get this right, if you and I could get this right, it would change everything. 
Right? I told you last week one of the dilemmas with people thinking about the kingdom of heaven or the people of God. They think about us. I'll tell you, I've got lots of information on this. They think you're known for what you're against instead of what you're for, right? I want to be really clear here. This isn't about being permissive of people's behavior. This has nothing to do with this. It has nothing to do with those things. It has to do with loving people. And here's what's really, really important. In a different passage, Luke chapter 10, oh, we'll get there in a, <laughs> a year or so. He tells us um, that we should love our neighbor. You get this? He says love our neighbor as ourself, not our religion as ourself, not our worldview as ourself, not our behaviors as ourself, not our political ideology as ourselves. He actually tells us we're supposed to love our neighbor as ourself, regardless of anything else. Our first response is love, and it's not just love. There's also this, this actual action step to it, which is do good. Who do we do good to? Our enemies, those who hate us. So Jesus is sharing this, and they're going, oh my goodness, this, this is a mess, right? And so for us, can we go, is it possible that this could be the way we should live? And again, not because there's some mandate that you're in trouble, God hates you, he's mad at you, and he wants you to feel shame. But is it possible that doing this is actually better, more enjoyable, more blessed, more happy for you? Like, could this actually benefit you and your family as opposed to the opposite way you're doing? Let's just acknowledge it. Is the way you've done it, is the way our world has done it, has it actually worked? Do you feel better when someone gets the justice you think they deserve? Does it solve anything for us? He's going, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. And he continues, and he's going to say this. Bless those who curse you. So he's going to go in the kingdom of heaven. Those who curse you, you're going to bless. Bless those who curse you. Because again, people who want to actually do harm for you. And that blessing has this kind of twofold in meaning. One, it means speak well of. Speak well of. So you speak well of people who are your enemies. You speak well of those people on the other side of the aisle. You speak well of those exes, those who did real damage. Speak well. And then also declare wellness for them. You really not only say things, you actually want those things to happen. Then it continues, it goes, and pray. Not only bless, but pray. This word pray, pray, you got a couple different things, times you see uh, the word pray show up. This literally means exchange wishes. This is so crazy. So it says, when you pray, what you're doing is not only you speaking well of people, to, about people to people, you're speaking out loud. Guess what else you're talking to them about? God. And guess what you're telling God?
And this guy who lived in the, the filth and brokenness of here walked into there, and God not only blessed him, he gave him a platform to the point where everybody else is going, can we trust him? Right? So God's response to the least and the worst is blessing and prayer, and so we got to go, can we do that? My guess, for many of you, this is the hang-up from you actually experiencing the blessings and happiness of life. Just this one thing. There's one thing from moving to a place where you can pray and say blessings for those who hate you and want to cause harm for you. And he continues. To the one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. So this is where he goes, hey, hey. Uh, so they understand, um, in first century culture, uh, the enemy of the state was actually the state, right? The enemy of the religious people, particularly Jews, were, were the Roman officials and the centurions. They leveraged their power, and we see this. We see how this plays out throughout history. Those with power typically use their power to uh, leverage it on people who don't have power for their own pleasure and their own gain. And literally, these Roman officials, these Roman centurions, were actually given authority to tell people what to do. They could tell people to carry their bag a mile. They could tell them to give them their stuff. They could do all those things. They could physically harm you. They could hit you. That they had that right. would not have been an issue for them. They can do this. And Jesus is going, hey, for those who do that to you, those who do that to you, you should let them. Not only should you let them, you should actually let them do it on the other side as well. And you're going, this is so messed up. What does this mean? Let me see if I can help you with it just real quick. Right? Um, there's a book Donald Miller writes called Blue Like Jazz. It's actually probably 15, 20 years old now. In one of the chapters, he, it's so interesting, such a weird book, but really, really lightning in terms of think, thinking about God and the way he views things. One, one of the things that Donald Miller did is he imagined what it'd be like for an alien to come down in our world and kind of define what it is, that what's our worldview, like what makes us tick. Why do we do this, right? Like, so in other words, an alien comes down and goes, what does it look like to live here? Right? And he guessed, and obviously this is, I mean, it's not real. This is fiction, right? He said that the alien would come up with, looking at our worldview, what he called the lifeboat theory. Okay? The lifeboat theory. And in the lifeboat theory, he basically said, the alien would look at our world and go, there's only so many spaces in the lifeboat. Right? Let's say there's 10 spaces in the lifeboat, but there's 12 or 15 people that need to use the lifeboat, right? There's, there's limited capacity and more people than the capacity, and so the whole world is spent trying to explain why they deserve to be in the lifeboat, right? There's this lifeboat. I deserve to be there because I have certain things, and the way by which you would argue that you deserve to be in the lifeboat would to talk about your power. Got it? What you offer, what you can control. You know, you want me in the lifeboat because I can I can woo people. You want me in the lifeboat because I have the power to build houses. You want me in the lifeboat because I know how to do plumbing, and you don't want to live in a new world without plumbing. Promise you, right? And so Donald Miller said that the alien would imagine that everybody here is arguing about power and their ability to have power, their ability to have some control. And the thing is, what you definitely didn't want to have happen, because if you ended up here, you'd be kicked off the lifeboat. You wouldn't get a seat. Because you definitely didn't want to appear helpless. Right? So you work your whole life. You work your whole life trying to explain why we matter. We work our whole life trying to explain why we have some power and why we can add value in this world. You don't want to be the people who don't have any power. Right? Even if you imagine what mental illness and suicide look like, it typically 
is this place where people arrive at they go I'm helpless I have no power to change anything and so imagine this if this is the case right so Jesus is saying hey when they hit you in the right side of the cheek that certainly seems like you're helpless they have all the power hey when they tell you to give you their their coat your coat that certainly feels like you are really helpless that you have no power but guess what there always is an option you actually do have some choices there is a way by which you can affect change because you're not helpless you actually have some power so what do you do with your power you go here i have my shirt too oh you hit me in the right side oh here let me let me make the decision let me let me step into it i have some power my power i'm not helpless i get to live in the here and now in the kingdom yep you can have my shirt and and the sermon on the mountain yeah i'll carry that another mile yeah, yeah. Uh, you can hit me on the right side. You can actually hit me on the left, too. Like, my value isn't how I perform here. And so Jesus is going, in this, the reality is you get to live in the here and now, and you're not helpless. There is a decision you can make right now to enter the kingdom. So people hitting you on the right side, that, that's your enemies. That's your enemies. People asking for your, your coat, that's your enemies. But you can actually bless them. No, no, here, here's the shirt as well. Like, can you imagine their response? In this, could you imagine these centurions going, what, what, no, no. I don't know if you've ever done this. Have you ever had a really bad argument that you don't think is going to go well and you've prepared for it ahead of time? you got all your talking points. And you get to, like, you get to the confrontation and you declare the badness and you just expect it to be some massive rebuttal. And they just go, you're right, I'm sorry. And you're like, no, no, I got some more points, <laughs> right? No, 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 we're not there yet. Let me explain. No, 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 I got all this ammunition. They go, no, no, you're right. I'm really sorry. No, no, I'm sorry. I wasn't thinking. I shouldn't have done that. Would you forgive me? Have you seen how that diffuses a situation almost to the point that you don't want it to sometimes? Right? So Jesus is going, you actually have some power in the kingdom of God. You can diffuse the situation. You can live within the blessing. So he goes, hey, when they ask for that, give them something else as well. You, you don't have to be helpless in this. In the kingdom of God, you have authority with the God of the universe. And you go, well, what did, how did God exercise this authority? Well, he offered prayer and blessing. He was gracious. He worked for their benefit. So he's going, there is a new way to live. And so you don't have to sit here and go, woe is me, I have no options. No, you have options in the kingdom of God. And your options, you can pour out more blessings. You offer, uh, your options are you can serve more. You can bless more. You can pray more. There's never a time where you have no options because in the kingdom of God, you're a participant. Jesus goes, you're not my, I don't call you my servant. I call you my friend. The reason I call you my friend is I've made everything known to you about my father's kingdom. I'm inviting you into it. Hey, in my kingdom, you have options. In my kingdom, there's always something you could do to make the world better. Bring the kingdom of heaven and earth. There's always, there's always something at play. There's never a time where you go, I don't deserve to be in the lifeboat. No, no, no. The God of the universe invited you in the lifeboat, right? This is not a place you arrive at, but a person you belong to. And we'll get there. So watch what he says next. Give to everyone who begs of you, from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. Again, could you imagine this? Have you seen the rhetoric going on in our nation right now? Well, you did this, right? It's kind of, the term is, what about isms? Right, well, what about when you do this? What about when you do this, right? There's just always this ping pong battle where one person hits one hard strike, so you've got to hit it a little bit harder, right? And there's this belief that the one with the most power, the strongest is the one who wins the day, and you just see the rhetoric. And the mess going on, right? And you see it. You're smart people. You see the hypocrisy happening. You see it all. And so she's going, but hey, don't demand 
something. Don't demand it. Like, whoever begs them, you just give it to them. They take it from you. Don't demand it back. And then he says this. Really, really important. This is the emotional intelligence statement. Verse 31, he says this. And as you wish what, that others would do to you, do so to them. Right? This is just the qualifier. This is the golden rule, right? Do unto others as you wish they'd do unto you. And so this is an emotional intelligence question. That in a moment, we don't do this much because we react. In a moment, we get to pause and go, if I were them and they were me, how would I want them to respond to me? If I were them and they were me, how would I want them to respond to me? And then do likewise. Right? If I made a mistake, and we do this all the time, right? This is so messed up. What we do is we judge other people by their actions. And we judge ourselves by our intentions. You get that, right? Like, we let ourselves off the hook all the time. As we, we know what we meant to do. We know we meant to write that letter. We know we meant to say sorry. We know we meant to send that gift. But if they do that, you go, how dare they do that, right? There's this, we judge others by their intentions. Or us by our intentions, others by their actions. What if we flip that around? What if we wonder what their intentions were? What if we were curious in the things of Jesus? Goes, you, you really want to live in this kingdom. It requires some awareness and some emotional intelligence. And guess what? It, the, the idea that you would do unto others as you wish them to do to you, that there's something that has to happen there. In every circumstance, you have to pause and go, the roles are reversed. What would I want to happen to me? Right? And then go and do likewise. Right? And so there is this space that happens that you get to pause in this. So this is the emotional intelligence question. So he's going he's to kind of walk them through and go, this is what it looks like to live in the kingdom of God. And now what's so gracious of Jesus. He just gave you the talk, right? He just told you last week what it looked like to be blessed, live in the happiness. Then this week, he's actually going to give you some real circumstances. Those who hit you in the cheek. Those who, you know, take your tunic. Those who steal from you. He's going to give you real people. And he's going to tell you your response. But now he's going he's to go from big idea, this is how you have blessings, here's what it looks like practically, and now he's actually going to give you very specific steps and walk through it with some logic. So watch what happens next. Verse 32, it says this. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners... Love those who love them. So he's going to go, this word love, this is not the one that we get for our, uh, you know, our neighborly city, uh, the brotherly love, Philadelphia. The word that he uses here is the word agape. So he's going to go, if you love those who love you, that's really simple. We all do that. But there's no, and he uses this word, there's no real benefit to it. And so what he's saying here, really, really important that you understand this, that word love there, means that that agape means when when it's offered to us that we love the way that god loves meaning we see people as god sees them and we want for them what god wants for them so he goes if you love those like your kids of course you're going to try to see them as god sees them and you're going to want for them what god wants from them but what benefit is that like he's going that is that's your gut reaction that's just that's kingdom of earth stuff that's just happening and so you're going to use the word benefit here that's the word grace but what where do you get something from that that's just you always doing what that's just that's just a natural reaction that's not a new kingdom living that's just how you do right because even sinners that word sinner literally just means those who have forfeited their rights in the kingdom by their choices so he's going all people who live here they all do that right no matter who you are, you're going to love those that you love that in your family. But where you really get the, the benefit, the grace, right? Selflessness. 
It's not when you do that, because we all do that. Sinners do that. You really, really want to experience real happiness and blessingness? I'll tell you where it's found. It's found over here where you love those who hate you. You love those who are your enemies. And this isn't because it will fix the whole world. It will. But this is, you really want to love your life. You really want to have joy. What you do. The place you're going to find this, and it's so messed up, is actually in loving those who persecute you. And I just double-dog dare you to try that. Like, what if this is true? What if all these words are true? What if everything you're looking for and hoping for is just right here? So he's going, for, if you love those who you love, what benefit? They're, that's not where you're going to experience blessing. Where you're going to experience blessing is when you love those who are un, uh, uneasy to love, that are hard to love. And he goes on, he says, verse 33, and if you do good to those who do good to you, if you do good to those who do good to you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. So he's going to go, hey, hey, here's, here's the thing. This isn't just you love. You actually do good to those. And here's what that word means. When he's saying it, it means something that profits others. So not only do you love them, not only do you see them in the way that God sees them, right, and want for them what God wants for them, you don't just want it, you actually participate in it. Like you do what's profitable to others. You have these people treat you that way, and then you respond by actually doing something that's actually valuable to them. And again, so, it's so hard. I go, if he is telling you this is what the kingdom of God looks like, then why don't we do it? Because are we afraid? Are we afraid we might enable people? At the base of that fear is something deeper. It's trust. And here's the dilemma in that, right? At the base of all sin, in some way, is us saying we don't trust God, either with our future, with our current circumstances, or our value, right? So the reason we don't do this is because it doesn't make sense to us. We don't think this is the right way, and we don't actually trust God's works. So how can you trust God's works? It's really simple. Imagine this. If you're standing on the cliff, and, you know, that crane, and you've got that bungee cord strapped to your ankle, which is stupid. I don't know why you want to do it, but some of you do, right? And, and you're just standing there, and you've paid a hundred bucks to, I don't know, wet yourself. Doesn't make any sense to me. But you're standing up there, and you go, I got this bungee cord. You go, well, how do you know if that bungee cord works? It's only one way to know whether the bungee cord works. I mean, it might work. You might see someone else do it, and you know it works. But how do you know the only way is actually to place all your weight into that thing and fall, right? So I just would say, what does it look like to dip your toes into this? Like, what does it look like to go, maybe I should try to bless those who have been really mean to me. Maybe I should actually pray blessings for those people. And I go, that is a really great way to see and live in the kingdom of God because there's actually something you can experience in that. What would it look like to just try that and go, God, it's really hard for me to trust you in this, but I'm going to walk through the door and I'm going to trust you. And then make some notes about what that experience looks like. And I'm not saying you do it today and it fixes tomorrow. But what would it look like to actually trust and try that? So he actually goes, what good does it do to do this for people you love? But the people you hate, what does it look like to actually work on doing good for their benefit? And it continues, and he says this, And if you lend to those from whom you expect to receive, what credit is it that to you? 
even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. So he's going to talk about this thing, this lending, right? And that means to extend your resources to other people. So we've talked about prayer, ask wishes for them. We talked about blessings, speak wishes for them. We've talked about doing good. That means participating in the benefit of others. And now we're seeing that not only do you participate in the benefit of others, the way that you do it is with your own resources. So he's going, what good is it to use your own resources to people you like, and then you have some kind of expectation? What does it look like to pour out your resources on your enemies, those who hate you? What does it look like to give that to them? And not only give it to them, give it to them without any expectation. What would that look like? So he goes, because of course people give to people that they know they're going to get it back from, right? Because it's like, ah, oh, you're just storing it or saving it somewhere else. You don't need it today. You'll use it tomorrow. Why not use it today and make yourself feel better? And he's going, what would it look like to actually give your resources for your enemies so that they can feel blessing and then, and then, not expect it back without expectation? Because he says even sinners lend to sinners to get back the same amount. And he says this, but love, agape, your enemies, and do good, and lend, expecting nothing in return. And your return will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. So he goes, God is kind to both the ungrateful, those who don't even realize it, that are selfish, you know the people, and the ones that are just unaware of how much grace has been bestowed on them, those who are entitled, you know what I'm talking about. And then there's a whole other category, not the unaware, not the arrogant, not the selfish, but the evil. The ones who really, really genuinely want to cause pain. And God, it says God is kind, merciful, loving to them. So he gives us a pattern. He goes, you don't live here, you live here. And what does it look like to live there? Here's what it is. Pretty simple. You love. The way that God loves. You see people as God sees them. Right? Not only do you love them, you do good to them. You do good to them. You actually want their lives to be better. You want their lives to be better. And how do you do that? Well, it's simple. You lend to them your resources. Your resources. This is so important because in, in our kingdom here, what we think about all the time is why don't we have what we don't have, which is a miserable existence, right? You know this with your kids. Quit complaining. Well, I wish I had this. So-and-so has that, whatever that is. And in this kingdom, you go, why don't I have what I don't have? But in this kingdom, it's a better question. It's why has God given me what he's given me? Over here, it's all about selfishness. Why don't I have what I don't have? I want the car. I want the job. I want the spouse. Over here is God has given me a lot of things. Why has he given them to me? Really good answer. So you can lend those. So you can use your resources. You want to really experience blessing and happiness? You love those. Who's those? Everyone. Who do you double down on? Your enemies. You want to do good. You want it to be for their benefit, and you use your own resources. And when you use your own resources, you do it without expectation. You pour yourself out, and it sounds so crazy. And I'm going, what if it's true? And if it's God's word, it's true. Let me just be honest with you. If it's not, we're in really big trouble. I've just wasted 45 minutes of your time. Just complete waste. You shouldn't be here. It's a waste of time, and you should go soak up all the pleasure you possibly can because this world is fleeting, and in days, weeks, months, years, decades, it'll be over, and you'll turn to dust. 
but something in you doesn't believe that. And I'm going, that's not the case. Then what if this is actually true? What would it look like to actually be a church and a community and a people and family who do this, who love people, see people the way that God loves them, even our enemies, mostly our enemies? What would it look like to want them to have benefit, to pour ourselves out for their gain? What would it look like to use our own resources with no expectation, not to get credit, not for them to send you a thank you note with nothing, because that's not the kingdom of God. But love your enemies, do good and land expecting nothing return, and your reward will be great in heaven. Why? Because you will be sons of the Most High God. Remember, the kingdom of heaven is not a place you arrive at, but a person you belong to. You want to live in the kingdom? You want to be a child of the king? Jesus is going, you want to live in this kingdom? Not only can you live in the kingdom, you're not even a servant in the kingdom. You're a child and king. This is so important. I tell you this all the time. The only person who can wake up a king in the middle of the night and ask them to wipe their bottom is their little girl, their two-year-old girl or boy. They have complete access to the kingdom, to the king, right? doesn't matter who they are, but they love them. And so what he's saying is you want to be a child of the king, right? Not earn it. But the way that you know you're living in the kingdom is because you see people the way that the king sees them, and the king is kind even to the ungrateful and the evil. And then he makes this really, really beautiful statement. And Jesus goes, be merciful, even as your father is merciful. That word father there literally means the begetter or the originator. He's going, all this love and all this blessing, all this, it doesn't come from you. It comes from him. So here's the hardest part of the talk. You ready? I have found... That it's hard for me to love my enemies, wish blessings and pray for them and use my resources for their gain. Because there's something in my heart that's still broken and resentful, and no matter how hard I try, I can't fix it. I can't just double down and go, fix it, Josh, fix it, fix it, just fix it, right? I cannot do it, and I've tried my whole life. And what Jesus is saying here is the way by which you do that is it has to actually end up in your DNA. And the way it ends up in your DNA is it is actually, it is sent to you. It is inherited from your father. It comes from the king. And so Jesus is going, the way by which you live in the kingdom, the way that you go from here to there is it's not some place you arrive at, but someone you belong to. So there has to be this tethering of your heart to God's heart. If you can't love people this way, there is something wrong with your heart. You know how I know that? Because there's something wrong with my heart. So they're so crazy, I'm telling you, this is how you live. This is what it looks like. But you actually cannot do this without some kind of heart transformation that cannot come from you. There would have to be a supernatural movement of God in your life. Right? And so the Bible tells us, whoever calls on the name of the Lord, whoever calls on the name of the King is saved. Jesus tells us, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone will come into, if anyone will open the door, I will come in and I will dine with them. In other words, I will enter your life and give you a new heart. So you're going, God, I can't love my enemies. God, I can't pray blessings over them. Then I would say, I would say, stop praying that prayer and start praying that prayer. God, would you give me your heart? Because he's going to be merciful. Because I am merciful. And so one of the things that Jesus is going to do right before he wraps up everything, he's going to meet with his disciples. And you hear me talk about this a whole bunch. And he's going to go, hey, guys, the time is about to come where you're going to exit the kingdom of earth and you're going to go into the kingdom of heaven. You're going to get there. Now, you're going to get there. And he goes, and what's crazy is as you get there, I'm leaving here. I'm going there before you, but it's happening for you. And he's going, I'm going back to my father. 
I'm going to prepare a place for you, that where I am you may be also. And they go, no, 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 we don't know how to get from here. We don't know how to get from here to there. No, 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 we don't. And Jesus goes, hey, guys, John 14, 6, he says, you do know the way. Guys, you do know how to get here. You do know how to love your enemies. You do know how to care for those who hate you. You do. And he says this, hey, I'm the way there. I'm the truth. This is what you can have certainty on. And then he says the last thing. I'm the life. In other words, you really want this blessing. You want it. You want it. You want to live in the kingdom of God. But the only way that happens is if you invite me into your life. So let me share with you one of the things that's going to be happening around here pretty often. If you don't know, first, uh, first week of the month, we always do communion, right? So we build within the sermon time to do that and to you know, make sure that we get to pause and reflect and enjoy community and communion with God by taking the elements, right, to receive Jesus' presence through the body and the blood. And typically second week, if there's folks interested, that's when we do baptisms. So make sure we carve out time for that in the sermon. And one thing that I felt real conviction on um, is that in the expedience of teaching for an hour and trying to get through the whole service, watching the clock tick, is that there are times I really felt like God wanted us to pause and go, some of you have never actually asked Jesus to be your way, your truth, and your life. Some of you have never asked God to give you a new heart. Some of you have never acknowledged that you have a dirty heart, like all of us have and do. And so there's been so many times, God, I feel like we're supposed to do that. Oh, no, no, time. And so what we have decided as a staff, I don't know if this will get, the frequency will increase more, but for now, kind of carving in, kind of the third week of every single month, we're going to pause right here. And I'm just going to share with you the gospel. So for many of you here or online, maybe you don't know what it looks like to get God's heart. I'm just going to give you very clear steps. And for those of you who have neighbors or friends, you're going, I just want them to know this. I would just say, third Sunday of each month, be a really, really good time. All the time's a good time to invite them in where they can hear this. Because the only way this happens is with a brand new heart. The only way you can be merciful is if God is actually your father. The only way that God can be your father is if you allow him to be. The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord is safe. Whoever confesses with their mouth, God is faithful and just, and forgive them of their sins, and cleanse them of all their unrighteousness, and invite them in. There is a way by which you can experience this, but it will not happen on your own. You cannot perform this way. You never will. I never will. It will have to be a supernatural act of God. And so what's going to happen is the band's going to come up, and we're going to sing a song. Before you do, would you mind, if you don't mind, would you just pause for a second? So I'm going to ask you just to kind of bow your head here, even at home. If you, and I know if you've got kids running around, it's going to be a little chaotic. But just for a second, could you just pause? And in a second, I'm going to hop in and share with you how you can become a Christian. But before then, I just want you to reflect on this. Right? Just take a moment just to reflect. God, why is it so hard for me to love my enemies? Why is it so hard for me to bless those who persecute me? Why is it so hard for me to pray? So for just a second, because God's a lot greater than I am, would you just pause and tell God what you're thinking about. So I'll give you a second here, and then I'll interrupt it in just a second.
Let me interrupt here and told you at the very beginning. Um, the kingdom of heaven is not something you arrive at, but a person you belong to. And it makes sense for all of us as we're trying to figure out where we fit, what's life about, how do I find my identity. In many ways, what we'd say is we all kind of got daddy issues in that. Right? We're all trying to esteem ourselves, find our value, earn our way, fight our way, find our power. And the reality is, is you are esteemed and loved and immeasurably valuable and always have been. And the God of the universe loves you. And maybe for the first time you're going, I want his heart. I want to live with happiness and joy and blessedness. And I can't imagine what, how I could do that unless something supernatural happens in my heart. And what I just tell you is God wants to do that for you. And so let me just give you some steps. So right now with your head bowed, eyes closed, if your head's op- up or eyes open, no big deal. You can just talk to God, and you can say something like this. Just right there in your head, you can go, hey, God, uh, I recognize there's been something wrong with my heart. Tell him that you've tried to earn your own value. You can tell him right now you have a lot of anger and bitterness and resentment. Tell him about your pain. You can go, God, I just got a lot of pain. Some of that's been your own choices. You can acknowledge your choices that were wrong, right? You can acknowledge the pain you've caused other people, and you can even now go, God, but there's been pain that's done to me. Get imagine offering forgiveness. But what God wants you to know is that forgiveness first starts with him. Before you can ever forgive anyone else, God has to first forgive you. And so you can just right now, where you are, talk to your Heavenly Father and go, Heavenly Father, would you forgive me? Just ask him, would you forgive me? Would you tell him that it's hard for you, but that you want to believe that his son, Jesus, is the way, the truth, and the life? Tell him that you want to be in his kingdom. Just ask him, God, can I be in your kingdom? And emphatically, his response right now was, yes. Yes, you can be in his kingdom. Yes, you're his son or daughter. And so he's going, yes, you're forgiven. Come on in. And so just now, for just a second, would you just tell God how grateful you are for that? God, thanks for letting me be in the kingdom. Thanks for letting me experience you now and for all eternity. Would you just ask him to lead you? God, would you lead me? And then would you ask him to give you Courage to follow him wherever he tells you to go. Ask you to give him community. Give you community that you can walk with. And one more request for me. Sometime this week, would you ask God to give you courage to just let someone know? Particularly, would you let one of us know at staff? You can email us, text me, text our church, 610-869-2140, or even email me at josh at sales channel just let us know so we can celebrate you through you as god celebrates with you and walk with you in this promise it's not gonna we're not gonna put a big yoke over your head we're not gonna tell you all the stuff you have to do we're gonna celebrate with you and walk with you and i just want to pray over our church family right now god there's many of us who would love to have a new heart man i'd love to have a new heart god i'd love for you to continue to do a good work for i can so joyfully serve those who want to do harm god love our enemies and God, we just confess in this moment, God, that the only solution to the brokenness of our world, the only solution in our life is that our world needs you, Jesus. Our world needs you, Jesus. And so, God, as we kind of close out this morning with these words that we're about to sing, God, would, would they be true of our heart? Particularly as we declare this truth over us and our world and our church, that the world needs you. And then, God, as we kind of narrow down that focus towards the end of the psalm, where we go, we know that we need you, Jesus. Would these words be true to this, God? Would you give us the clarity like you've given us more in how we serve you in this broken world and god then would you give us the courage to actually do it i pray these things in your name jesus amen
Would you all stand with me as we close in song?
us. Uh, that's what we believe, that Jesus is the answer, right? And so with that, I want to send you all off with a benediction. Uh, I do want to remind you uh, to tune in on Tuesday at noon for overtime. If you have questions about anything we've covered today, we invite you to submit those uh, via email to overtime at clcfamily.church. But let me send you all off with this. This is Romans chapter 15, verses 5 and 6. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you guys again so much for being with us. We will see you next week.